And here we are, episode 149 of Green and Gold Rugby's podcast. Super Rugby season has started afresh, and we're going to get into the detail of that very soon. But first up, we've got a very special guest for you this evening. Grant John, the new head coach of the Australian Rugby Sevens team, uh, is on the show with us tonight. Grant, thanks very much for your time, and welcome to Australia. Well, thank you very much, and uh, uh, thanks for the uh, welcome as well. It's been... uh, um a good uh, first few days, and uh, I'm glad to be here, and uh, I'm very honoured to be uh, given the uh, position of uh, uh, the head coach of the Sam's program. And uh, uh, the aim now is to get with the players and uh, do the best I can, and to uh, uh, to get working with the players, which I'm looking forward to immensely. Excellent. Well, let's get into that in a second. But why don't you start by giving us a bit of your history, where you've come from, and uh, I guess how you've ultimately found yourself into this role. Um, well, I'm Welsh originally, uh, born in Wales, and uh, that's where I started playing rugby and uh, uh, getting involved, obviously, in coaching, but uh, played for Cardiff when I was 18 and stayed with Cardiff there right through uh, until I finished playing in 1995, and then after that got into coaching, worked with the Welsh Rugby Union as well, and uh, got into age grade coaching, went through uh, the national teams uh, from the age of 15, Wales used to run out Wales in the 15 right through to Wales in the 16, Wales in the 18s, uh, Wales in the 20s and, uh, and the 19s, then got involved in Wales A uh, before uh, I was very fortunate to work with uh, Graham Henry when he came over to, to be the head coach of the National Works team in uh, 1999 during the World Cup campaign for those couple of years. And then involved myself with the National Senior Team of Wales in the 2000. Uh, tour to Canada and the 2001 tour to Japan and continued coaching there in Cardiff prior to leaving for Canada where I became high performance director in 2006 and got involved in the coaching and everything over there and took the SEMS program in Canada in 2010 when at the time we weren't a core team and then we became a core team and uh, in 2012 and last season finished sixth in the IRB series so that's a uh, a brief synopsis in uh, a short bit, a bit of time as possible, really, and hope that uh, helps to give a little bit of background uh, with regards to myself and playing and coaching. It does. It's fascinating. A couple of questions there from that. The first and foremost is Sir Graham Henry, and he, Aussies have a, I won't say a, a, a love-hate relationship. It's more a, a begrudging admiration-hate relationship <laughs> we have with Sir Graham. What was it like under him and his ex- that experience in, in that time with the Welsh team? Well, I think the first thing that I learned was that sort of um, how much time he spent to actually observe uh, the game. It was sort of, uh, you always wonder when he had time to do that. But, uh, you know, I think he, great studier of the game. He really looked closely at the game. And his, uh, I thought his, uh, not only his technical, but his uh, tactical ability and his tactical knowledge of what to do with the team was uh, uh, was very, very high and huge high standard. And, uh also his demands as well. There was an expectation there for the players. You know, if you want to be the best, you have to train to be the best. You have to live the life to be a a high-performance athlete. And I think that was the first time that was really preached, uh, not only to myself, but also to the players uh, in Wales. And I thought the the immediate results there were uh, very, very obvious. But uh, it's his love for the game and his passion for the game. It's uh, it's his life. And, uh, you know, he's gone through pretty difficult times as well, you know, when he was in Wales and when he bought the Lions, uh, Lions tour as well, where perhaps he was criticised quite heavily, but it just goes to show his quality and what he went on to achieve, obviously, with New Zealand and, um, when they won the last uh, last World Cup. And sort of you've got to take a hat, in, hat off to him for, for doing that and his uh, continued uh, love for the game and uh, to continue to improve. And he's working, obviously, now with, uh, with Auckland Blues as well. So... Uh, I was very, very impressed, as I said, by his work ethic and, his, and the expectations he set, uh, not only for his players, but also 
for his staff as well. Everybody had to be working hard to uh, to reach the goal and the target to be the best. Yeah, interesting. Now let's step forward to your. You, you've moved to Canada now, and you're, you're in a, a, a was it a broader high performance role, and then took over the sevens role at, at yeah. Canada, and that was your first experience coaching sevens. Is that correct? I actually did Wales uh, a long, oh, long time did, ago. Did, yep. sort of, uh, I did, yeah. Um, it wasn't the greatest of experience in that, but uh, <laughs> I, I was very, I was asked very, very quickly to do the Commonwealth Games, and, uh, oh, um, okay, and yep. that was sort of. Uh, but in that Commonwealth Games, I didn't even have a preparation time. It was actually only when the team was there, the, the previous coach actually dropped out right at the time of the Commonwealth Games, so it was right. straight in and uh, straight to the event. So uh, this is a little bit that I've got four weeks preparation for this one, so. Uh, um, but yeah, we've, I've worked within the SEMS program in Canada since, as I said, 2010. I was fortunate prior to that, you know, when in my high performance role to uh, to be involved with the with the program. But 2010 was when uh, I was asked to take the program on specifically in Canada, where you know we'd just been unfortunately relegated from being a core team on the IRB series, and uh, our goal was to try and get back there. We became centralised. You know, when you look at the players here in Australia, you know, in January where they became centralised here in Sydney and Al- yep. in Narraveen, uh, the programme in uh, in Canada, we were centralised in 2010. So it's been a long period of time coming and uh, and it's, I think that knowledge and that uh, experience I have of, you know, dealing with players who, you know, living away from home, training every single day, going on the IRB series, hopefully that experience that I've had over the, over the years will help me in... Uh, in my job and in my role here now in in Australia, but uh, you know there were tough times at the beginning. You know we wanted to become a core team, and then we had to go through the qualifier. We we won the qualifier in 2012, and ever since then, you know it's been a uh, it was a a positive experience. And you know for Canada to finish sixth in the IRB series last year was uh, was I thought was a, a tremendous achievement for a so-called Tier 2 team, and uh, the team actually also reached the final in Glasgow. I was going to say, you took on the Kiwi, the Kiwis in Glasgow, yeah, which would have been a high point of your uh, short coaching, sevens coaching career, I would have thought. That would have been a, a fantastic experience. It was a great experience to get to a final, and, um, you know, it, it also showed what a final is all about. You know, playing that, uh, those extra three minutes in the first half and three minutes in the, uh, extra mm. in the second half, you know, you're playing 10-minute finals, and also in 2010, um, uh, sorry, 2011, probably not many people realise in in North America and the Americas you have the Pan American Games, which is a, a close family of the uh, of the Olympic movement. And uh, it was the inaugural SEMS competition in the 2011 Pan American Games, and Canada also won the gold medal. So there, yeah, right, the first okay. time rugby SEMS was in the Pan American Games, and Canada went on to beat uh, USA and, and a very much favoured Argentina in the final. Argentina just finished the series uh, uh, finishing in the top six in the world IRB series and uh, you know Canada went on to beat them in the 2011 final which is, as I said was the first probably the seventh tournament when you look around uh, basically the whole competitions around the world that's probably the first Olympic sort of uh, program event which um, uh, was played and that uh, and that experience of being in multi-sport activities and multi-sport events as well was something that you know, I've been fortunate to have not only a Commonwealth Games, but a Pan American Games yeah, as well. Sure. It's, uh, it's totally different to your normal IRB series as well. In the IRB series, you're on your own. You know, it's all the teams, just rugby, no other sports. Whereas, yeah. you know, the Commonwealth Games is totally different and the Pan American Games is totally different as well. So uh, hopefully all that experience will help me in my role here in uh, in Sydney and in Australia. All right, excellent. Let's talk about that. You're in, you've been in the country, what, a matter of days, maybe a week now? Um, what, uh, it's a week today, yes. Excellent, excellent. So, what have you spent your week? You've, you've, have you got the players together yet? The players, um, the, when I came in on uh, Tuesday last uh, first day, there was no training. But the, since then, we've been the players are in. We've been training. Uh, met all the players, not only the men's program but the women's program. We've been doing rugby sessions. Um, I'm in the process this week where I'm going to. I want to meet the players on an individual basis and find out a little bit more about them and uh, and it's straight into it. You know, next Monday uh, on July the 10th is when we have to announce the Commonwealth Games squad. So 12 players will be announced next Monday afternoon to to go to the Commonwealth Games and to play in the Commonwealth Games. And 
it's been so straight into it really there's a lot of other things in meeting the staff and looking at programs and our planning ahead but the short term and the immediate term and the immediate planning has been totally around the Commonwealth Games and even though I only arrived here last Tuesday I've been in constant conversation and communication with um, you know Luca the manager and John Mitchell the uh, strength and conditioning coach and and Tim Walsh who's uh, been doing a little bit of coaching who's the women's head coach he's been doing a lot of the sessions prior to me arriving so even though I haven't been here I've been constantly involved in communicating and finding out what's going on but uh, it's been good to get my feet on the ground and get on the field and get out there with the players and uh, working with the players as well it's been uh, and they've been very Excellent in their response as well. I mean, very well. I mean, and uh, very, very productive on the field as well. That's great. So, how do you go about this, Garrett? You've got you know a, a bit more time than you had with Wales sevens uh, team back that time. Do you have an idea already of how you want this team to play? I guess you've got some familiarity with the this Australian team already, having played against them a few times. Have you got a, a, a game plan and play time um, in mind, or a, a style of play that you want these guys to adapt? I think I have the familiarity, you know, the, the Sam circuit is a very close circuit and you, you, you know each other's strengths and weaknesses uh, uh, when you play on a circuit. I think that in the short term for me it's about getting the players on the field and um, reinforcing the actual the strengths of the team and, you know, it was great today, Mick O'Connor came down today and we spent the whole day chatting as well and uh, um, unfortunately I have a good relationship with Mick and uh, Known Mick for a number of years, and I have a huge amount of respect and admiration for what he's for what he's done with the players. And I think he's a, you know, he's an outstanding uh, person. And uh, what he's done, you know, the history of Mick as well is, um, you know, something that uh, everybody's aware of. But it was great to have him down today, and we've been in constant conversation going through the players. Um, you know, I've got my views on on the player strengths as well, and we talked about that today and went through that today. So in the short term, it's all about just keep doing the things that, you know, the team has been doing, which is, you know, you've got to look at the success of the team. Yes, they finished fifth on the series last year. Uh, they've had very, very good results uh, last year. For me, it's about reinforcing those those very, very good habits and keep working on the certain techniques and technical aspects of the game that I want to do. And in terms of looking a little bit more in depth, that will probably happen after the Commonwealth yeah, sure. Games. Yeah. Uh, if, if I'm honest on that, you know, after the Commonwealth Games, the players have a small break. We come back in on August 11th, and we have nine full weeks of preparation before we go to the Gold Coast, which is the first tournament of the IRP series. And that's probably where the you know people, you know, yourselves and players may see a few little, maybe a few little changes, but uh, there won't be too many changes prior to that. There'll be a couple of things and a couple of adjustments that I may want to bring in in terms of you know the restarts, maybe some. Uh, aspects around the set plays that uh, I'd like to bring in and uh, some defensive uh, uh, strategies in there, but just mainly tidying up and continuing tidying up of what the team has done over the last year and keep developing that and then look at a little bit longer term after the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, sure. I guess your, your squad for the Commonwealth Games saying it gets announced next week. There's obviously a core group that have been involved this year and I know, uh, I believe Liam Gill and Sean McMahon has been, have been added to that squad as as part of this preparations. So uh, I assume similar, you won't go outside the scope of that for uh, for Glasgow, you'll keep to those those core group of players? Yes, yeah, um, you know, Sean and Liam came in this week to train and, um, you know, they responded uh, excellently yesterday to the training sessions and, uh, you know, I, and my job also is to be in close conversation with their, with their coaches at the Super Rugby uh, as well. You know, I've spoken to Rich, Graham yesterday we had a very good conversation about Liam Great. I've been playing phone tag at the moment with Tony McMahon so it's sort of we got a link up this week and hopefully that will happen and we've just been missing out each other's calls when they're training and I've been training as well but uh, otherwise apart from those two it'll be the core group that were there on the circuit last year and then the core group who are centralised and contracted to play sense at the moment um, longer term, yes, obviously we want to look at players and there may be opportunities for other players and that's something that um, I want to sort of look closely at and that was another reason when Mick came today. We know we not only discussed the, the players that are there at the moment, but we also discussed players that may be out there who would be beneficial, who would prove, you know, a positive aspect with regards to the Sam squad. So we look at that um, in the 
in the not too distant future as well. But yes, at the moment, the Commonwealth Games team will be announced next Monday. It will be made up of a core group, and uh, as I said, uh, Sean and Liam will be involved in that core group as well. And then, you know, there's, there's going to be a few players who are unfortunately that there's are players that are injured and will not be considered. And but than that, you know, talking to make there was a lot of injuries last year. We need to make sure that some of these players who are injured at the moment, we need to make sure that they they get 100 percent and ready for Gold Coast as well. We need to make sure that when we're prepared for the Gold Coast in October that every single player that is within the squad at the moment is 100% available and in contention for selection. But um, going back to your answer, it will be, will be the core group at the moment with Liam and Sean, yes. And, and how do you rate our chances in Glasgow? We've got, a, you'd suggest, a fairly uh, uh, easy pool. We play Sri Lanka, Uganda, and then a, a tough game on the, the last, one of the last games on that first day versus England. Um, but yeah, and that's correct. As you said, it's sort of majority of people say is you know um, we should get through, and that's something we can't hide the fact you know that we should get through our pool round. Yes, there will be tough games, but we need to make sure in our preparation and I've said to the players, um, I want us to make sure that every team that we play, we give them the respect that they sure. deserve, and they will be prepared for that. But we need to make sure that we're on our game. We can't be looking ahead to the final game against England. We've got to make sure we win those first two games. And, you know, when you look at the draw as well, we play those two teams prior to England playing one. So yeah. the, the whole draw is slightly different to what a normal IRB event is like. Uh, but we need to be ready and we need to make sure and um, prepared, ready for that first game, the second game and the third game. And, you know, and everything goes well, you know, we need to make sure then we're ready for day two, which will be... I always say, no matter what you do on day one, day, if you go through to the top eight, day two is the key part. And uh, uh, we'll prepare and we'll get to Glasgow on the 19th of July. We'll uh, get our preparation in. We, you know, we'll also enjoy the Commonwealth Games in terms of from the learning experience and go to the opening ceremony, um, getting into the culture of what a multi-sport event is like as well. So uh, I'm looking forward to it and I know that uh, you know the players are eager. They want to. They want to be selected, they want to go to the Commonwealth Games. Unfortunately, at the moment, it can only take 12, and that's, uh, that's the nature of all tournaments. But uh, I want every player to be hungry to go and to fight for places to go, and that's what uh, makes the team successful. The more competition we can have in training, the better the team will be when we go away into these tournaments as well. Excellent. Well, you've touched on it a bit, and we'll, let's look beyond Glasgow, and I guess towards uh, the Gold Coast for sure. But also, two years away, there's the Rio Olympics, which is obviously a massive moment for, for rugby on the world stage, uh, and particularly from a sevens focused. How do you start developing this team? And one of the elements I'm really curious about from uh, someone who's come out from outside the system, or particularly outside the country, is identifying this talent. You've talked about it. You've had some great chats with Mick, which is great. And there's obviously super rugby talent, I guess, that's that you can see and that's easily picked up by the tapes and so on. So I'd be curious, one, to know, if there's any super rugby talent out there that you'd, you'd be keen to get your hands on. But two, how do you start identifying new talent um, that, that's perhaps not at that super rugby level, but that could you know, play a role for Australia at the sevens rugby circuit? Well, it's, you know, this is one of our big conversations that we had today, actually, which is really good and sort of um, one of the things we discussed about, you know, it's, it's great. Enough, you know, we've got the Australian schoolboy competition, which yeah. is going ahead right this week. And... Uh, you know, we're going to go there on Thursday. Um, we're going to make a presence there on Thursday. Uh, we're going to get some players down there on Thursday to sort of, uh, um, which will help in identifying players. We, we need to show that we're, you know, even though we're based in Malibu and we're centralized, that we need to get that presence out there. So we look at that, that area there. You know, there's tournaments that will be happening, you know, in September. You've got other tournaments around... Uh, you know, especially around the Brisbane area, you know, with you know, a lot of teams go to, we need to make sure that, you know, what can we do from a, a national competition as well? Um, you know, we've got the Super Rugby, we've got the NRC competition this year, which is a brand new competition. Yep. And, uh, you know, it'd be foolish for myself and that we, we don't have a presence in, in watching those games as well to see if there's any players that are, we feel have the ability to play sevens. And when you look at a player, player who can play sevens, you've got to look at their, what are their physical attributes? You know, do they have the, you know, the athleticism and the physical attributes to play the game? What's their skill level like? What, 
you know, what's their height, their weight, what are their conditioning. So those are little things that we look at that it's sort of, instead of, I asked Mick, you know, to that for me is that he has such a, a great eye for players and to identify talented players. We need to create the system where, you know, we have people on the ground, we have people going to watch these games. We also create an opportunity where there may be opportunities where we can get some of these players to train with our national group at Nalabin to come in for a week, couple of weeks to train with the players there to show how good they are to for us to test them as well to see what their physical presence is you know what are they like in terms of conditioning testing what are they like from a skill perspective where you assess their skills um, and then to allow them maybe to stay within the program or to go out of the program there must be an opportunity for these players to come in so it was a global big conversation that we had about it today and it's something that um, I want to sort of put down on paper and how we plan it and uh, you know I know there's discussions with the ARU to create a we need to create a national STEMS competition oh brilliant that, great that we was going to be my next question STEM championship. yeah we have you know there's you know, I talk to the women's staff they have the national women's competition yep. the national women's championship but we don't have it in the men's program and that's something you know if a player wants to aspire we know they want to aspire to become a Wallaby. We know they want to play 15s. We know they want to play Super Rugby. But now with, with the Olympic movement as well, you know, there, there could be players out there who, who may want to aspire to become an Olympian. And uh, not only the Super Rugby players, but if we have a national competition, that is also uh, an opportunity where, you know, in the States, you know, if there's, you know, if New South Wales are, you know, put two teams into the national championships, you know, New South Wales would probably... How do they pick those two teams? Mm. They'd have to have internal competition within their own state to be able to pick those players. So by having a national championship, hopefully you can create sort of internal competition within each state to pick the teams, to identify which players should be going to there as well. And not only at a senior level, but we also have to create it at a youth level as well. You know, we've got, you know, we've got the youth Olympics coming up now. You know, yeah. at the moment, you know, the women's team are going to the youth Olympics, the men's team aren't. We've got the Youth Commonwealth Games next year. Um, I know, you know, Australia went to the last Commonwealth Games, which was held in uh, in the UK and the Isle of Man. We need these youth national championships. We need a, a senior national championships, and that's something we know is in discussion with the ARU, and hopefully that will hopefully get off the ground in very, very quickly. So that will help in the identification and uh, help in the selection process for myself as a player, but also to get other people there to uh, identify players. Hopefully that answers your question a little bit, but it's uh, something that we're really constantly talking about and uh, something I want to get off the ground so that players can identify and see that there's a pathway to become a wannabe and, and to become a national service player and go to the Olympics. No, no, that, that does answer the question, and it's very exciting. I was, I was very curious as to the, whether there had been any planning for some sort of national structure there, which is, which is fantastic. And it's, it, there is good timing for this national rugby competition uh, in a couple of months' time because there, there should be another level of, of players we, we get to see on that higher stage, and who knows, we could go out of there. But you make a really valid point with that National Schoolboys Championships because quite realistically, there's guys there who may well be an Olympians in two years' time. I mean, Sean McMahon played sevens for Australia pretty much straight out of school and definitely Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast in 2018 and four years' time. So it's a it's a great breeding ground. Yeah, and that's what, Mick, you know, as, as Mick said today, he said, you know, for, you know, Sean McMahon, as you said, came straight out of there, went straight onto the circuit and, uh, you know, you never know that, you know, we're going to go there on uh, on Thursday um, I'll probably go there on Saturday as well to see the finals day on Saturday morning as well. And there may be one player that maybe may come out of it and be ready now. There may be a few players who go, okay, in two or three years' time, with the right preparation, with the right development, that player could make it. And not only, and I think that's important that we not only just look at two two sixteen Rio Olympics, but we have to look beyond that. We have sure. to make sure that whatever we put in place, that there's. Uh, long-term planning in our process and that's not just long-term planning in terms of players but something that you know that i'm keen and interested in is that you know what's our long-term planning approaches into for staffing and coaching as well we have to develop the coaches to to give the right information over to players and i'm sure there's a lot of very very good coaches out there who would desperately want to get involved in the program and uh, you know become the next uh, you know national coach as well that's important yeah, brilliant. Well, I'm going to put you in the spot for your last question, Grant. You've obviously, I'm sure you've watched the games. 
and it's a question we we play with often on the on the on the rugby side is if you could hand select a couple of players a handful of players from the Australian Super Rugby teams who you think could make excellent uh, you know potential Olympians in two years time who would you want to see there? I think you obviously go for the you know there's the obvious ones in terms of Falal. It wouldn't be a bad Sam's player. <laughs> Um, you know, I went to watch New South Wales play the Brumbies on uh, um, on the weekend, and, I, and you look at him and you go, "Wow, he could be uh, he'd be a dynamic one." player, that person could be in terms of his height and his athleticism and his attacking ability, and you know, you just go, oh. and then obviously, you know, we've got to be careful because you end up picking too many New South Wales players <laughs> in the back row as well. So you know, with his speed, his speed, anything, you know, there's there's quality players around, and. Uh, um, you know, and I know from, you know, I met you and Mackenzie last Friday as well and you know, at the AIU offices as well. And it's, you know, they have a big job. They got a World Cup in 2015 and it's important that they prepare correctly for 2015 and that, sure. uh, that is the goal of the Wallabies. You know, we all want them to do well. We want them to win the World Cup in 2015 and whatever um, is required to do that. We must, you know, we support that. So, uh, uh, what goes happens beyond 215 is, you know, you never know what players may come out of it after that. But uh, um, and that's that's for me, you know, that's the long-term plan ahead. But you know, I look at those two players and go, wow, what, you know, imagine imagine those two players and what, uh, uh, you know, what they could do in a, in a Sam's game. It'd be great to see them actually play a Sam's game. You know, you know, you're not going to get them, but it's sort of you can always sort of. Uh, Living you, know, and you never know. You never know what might happen after the World Cup, but not before the World Cup. The, the priority is uh, at the moment is that let's make sure we qualify, and then then maybe those players will become available. But uh, but it's all exciting times as well, and that's uh, you know that's good to see as well. You know, the excitement around in terms of uh, seeing those players and watching them go, or maybe one day. But uh, I think you know when you look at New Zealand as well, and uh, they'll probably be thinking that as well, and. Uh, uh, you know, South Africa, who, you know, picked a banner to play in the Commonwealth Games, otherwise, like today, that may not, may not happen now because, uh, because of the agreements that uh, yeah. those clubs have with, uh, with the players in Europe. But, uh, um, I'm sure there'll be players coming out of the woodwork after the 215 World Cup will want to go. If there are countries in the, in the Olympic Games will probably put their hand up and say, I want to become an Olympic. And it's, uh, that it becomes difficult times, but also good times as well. It does. Well, Grant, that is very exciting. We're, we're thrilled to have you in the country and as uh, leading our Australian Sevens team there. And we wish you the best of luck over in Glasgow um, for the Commonwealth Games and then obviously beyond for Gold Coast and the start of the new season. And maybe we'd love to catch up maybe uh, closer to Gold Coast and see how you're fitting in and, and how the plans are going uh, once, you're, once you're established in the role. Uh, thanks very much, and obviously, I mean, I'm grateful for everybody's you know, an outstanding welcome I've had for the first week here, and I'm grateful for everybody for all their help and uh, and support. And uh, hopefully, we can have a uh, you know very good season. Hopefully, everybody will uh, come back to start off with in the Gold Coast in in October. We need uh, we need all the supporters we possibly can get for that very first tournament, which is part of the Olympic process. So. Uh, as uh, many people to to the Gold Coast will be appreciated as well to support the players and the team. Absolutely. Thanks very much for your help. No worries. Great. We're thrilled, yeah. to, thrilled to be a part of it and best of luck, mate. We'll speak to you soon. Well, there you are, Grant John, the new head coach for the Australian Sevens team. Uh, loves a chat, Grant. His biggest challenge as coach, I reckon, is going to be fitting his halftime speech down to one minute. Um, but really interesting in the future of, the, of Sevens Rugby in Australia. Some, some big things, guys. He's talking about a national Sevens comp, uh, really tapping into the NRC. He's out there at the Australian Schoolboys Championships this week uh, in Sydney because he knows they'll got, those are the guys that will be representing us at the Olympics and, and the Commonwealth Games in a couple of years' time. So good stuff for the Australian Sevens. But... Uh, let me introduce our guest because we're going to start talking about Super Rugby and you know him on Twitter as Cyclopath and Dave, you're back with us again, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Reg. Good to be back. Yep, love having you back and, and he's our very own uh, Braveheart, Will, joining us as well. How are you, buddy? Good, thanks, Reg. Excellent. So we're back into it, Super Rugby, guys. You're loving the uh, 
the renewed focus back on provincial rugby and, uh, of course, uh, the Waratahs uh, doing doing us all proud, or doing you guys proud at least. Absolutely. It was, a, it was really a pretty good weekend of Super Rugby. Like, if anyone had any doubts over uh, whether they were actually were enjoying Super Rugby, pretty much all the games were really good, uh, particularly the New Zealand derbies, I thought. Uh, some excellent rugby. You only have to look at their competition. It's ridiculous, their conference, how tight it is uh, and how their lowest place team is the Chiefs, is it not, in ninth position. So uh, all this talk early in the season about the strength of the Australian conference, uh, New Zealand are, are back where we truly expect them to be. But let's get to that. We're going to go through this game by game. Uh, we'll end up... No, we won't end up with the Waratahs and Brumbies, but we'll, we'll get there eventually. Uh, quick run through that as you talk there, Will. We had the Highlanders getting up over the Chiefs 29-25 in that first game of the round. The next game was the the Rebels and the Reds down in Melbourne here. The Reds were obviously on their on their winning streak of one game and uh, were were looking to to take that further versus the Rebels. They lost to the Rebels earlier this year at Suncorp Stadium. First time ever we've lost to the Rebels, and I know the boys took it pretty hardly. Uh, and, and but after the big break, there's no Genia, there's no Cooper, and obviously a few other backline uh, omissions too through injury. Uh, and then we lost Dom Shipley. Uh, very early on with a very nasty uh, lower leg injury, which will see him out of the game for 18 months, ironically against the team that just announced his signing, uh, which put us on the put us behind the eight ball there. But the the Reds were triumphant, 36 to 20 there. They they actually did it pretty damn easily in the end. It was 22 to three at half time, and a couple of tries to Lockie Turner, who came on as a replacement. For Shipley, uh, Frisbee at Scrum Half has formed a, a brand new combination. You see this, guys? Frisbee, Greg, the Greg Holmes, Nick Frisbee combination. Two tries, um, which was was fantastic from almost identical. Uh, Rocket Davies, he had one of his best games, ironically also the week after he announced or confirmed he was leaving. Um, he, had a, he had a fantastic game, had a strong hand, Lockie Turner's try, set up Mikey Harris's try as well. Uh, Mikey Harris scored a try, who's also departing to the Rebels, um, and Rocket scored one of his own later in the game. So it was uh, an interesting game. The Rebels were were very, very poor, but the Reds were, were you know, back playing the top of rugby. We were like watching the, the big talking point, and guys, I don't know how much of you saw of this game, was James Horwell, who was back to his... Uh, his very dominant best. He, uh, I know he was pretty spurred on by the injury to Shipley, and uh, he was massive around the field. Did you guys get to see much of this? Will, I think you saw a bit of this game. Yeah, I watched this game, um, and yeah, I agree with with everything you've said. The Reds were a lot better than they have been sort of all through the season, I thought. And uh, as you said, Horwell had a had his certainly, I'd say, his easy, easily his best Super Rugby game of the year, and. And everything kind of clicked for the Reds, I thought. Uh, the Haas pairing worked well. Frisbee and Lucas had good games. And, um, yeah, it was good to see, uh, I think, after Ant Foyanga sort of uh, had a calf strain, it was good to see Sam Karevi get on there yeah. because he was really good. Um, and uh, good to see him get more of an opportunity. So. Yeah, that's right. And he should start this week. So we also, you're correct, we lost Ant Foyanga there. So they were, we were under the pump. But you're right, you mentioned Frisbee and Lucas, and they really did play well together considering they haven't had much game plan. Uh, game time on the field at all this year, let alone in combination, Frisbee more particularly so. Um, but they really clicked well, and it's I don't think it's it, it's any coincidence that Tapawai had his probably... Well, he has played well this year, but I thought he was a, he had another fantastic game and put in a great kick through, which led to Harris's try. Um, so, and obviously Lockie Turner out wide uh, had, a, had a cracker as well. So uh, the Reds uh, back, probably, probably the form team of the competition at the moment, Dave, that'd be a fair... Assessment, you'd think? Oh, uh, look, uh, that would be, that's all, that's all you need to say. That would be an assessment, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I've got a theory. I've actually been thinking about this. I've okay. got a theory why James Horwell is actually finding all this form. Yep. Yeah, he's a good player. <laughs> that's brilliant. That's yeah, brilliant. I know. It took me a while, but I was, I, was, I was mulling this over, and I think, you know, there's a very good reason why he's, he's actually just starting to come good. He's a good player, and sooner or later he had to come good. And uh, there were signs of it in the test. So although I've only seen parts of this game, highlights, um, I wasn't surprised, especially to get all the uh, the online and social media hype about his performance because um, I, I thought he was starting to show glimpses of it in the test. So 
Wasn't at all surprised. Yep, the old cream always rises, hey? Um, yep. Form is temporary, class is forever, and any other cliche that's appropriate. But, yeah, look, I, I agree with you. I thought he'd been playing well in the test matches, but he was clearly a step above in this game, and, and let's hope he can um, hold that on for the next few games and potentially into the uh, the rugby championship coming up. Um, but, uh, look, let's not kid ourselves. It's two, still a, It was still a game between two of the, the bottom-ranked conference teams at least so um, uh, how much do we read into it we'll see more when the Reds take on the take on the the force this week and then the Rebels are off to South Africa but we'll talk about that about a bit about that soon and we'll move on to the next game uh, which was this mighty Waratahs performance against the Brumbies guys where the Waratahs, Waratahs stormed at home 39 to 8 um, against a very much depleted Brumbies team but still a Brumbies team that we know is is ultimately very professional and and very uh, very focused at everything they do. They they were without the likes of Maddie Tamua and and a few guys like that, but um, and and obviously Stephen Moore and the likes. But uh, still, it was a, a bloody impressive performance by the Waratahs. Dave, why don't you take us through your reading of it? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was. I... It wasn't a bad Brumbies team. I mean, yeah, they were missing some players, but when you looked at the team that when I saw the team lists go up, you looked at it and thought, gee, it's it's you know they're not a pack of mugs, mm. um, and especially the pack. I think the you know they had a good pack, and it was interesting for me because my first uh, exposure to the game was actually getting updated scores by text message, and then I've watched the game a couple of times since then. Um, so it's interesting looking at the actual game and comparing it to the vibe you get from people texting the scores. But um, it sounded to me from my initial reports I was getting that it was it was pretty tight in the first half and the Waratahs did okay, but, you know, the Brumbies were still well in it. And I think, obviously, the Waratahs got a big roll on in the second half um, and sort of took it away from them before they had a chance to get back in. But it was a good performance um, from the Waratahs. I think there were... Yeah, you look at players like Falau, and I know we keep going back to him, but he's just starting to do all the basic things so well now, consistently. And it's to me the only thing he really falls down is is perhaps the timing of his offload at, at times. But yep. he's just doing the basic stuff well, um, so continues to impress um, and. Look, big, huge blow for Dave Dennis. I guess we've got yeah, to cover sorry, that. That absolutely, was, yep. I think, um, he cops a lot of flack on online in various places about being, you know, an average player, and he's not this, and he's not he? that. Really? But, but, yeah, but he's just, you know, he's the sort of player that every franchise needs. He they does, need yeah. players like him. They're just consistent. They they turn up. They do the hard work. They do a lot of work in every game, and you need players like that. And he's a he's a big reason the Tars are doing well. And he gets undersold, I think. Oh, he does. Look, and I know I gave I gave the Waratahs fans a bit of a, a serve on on Twitter about it, suggesting that it was good news for the Waratahs, another good win, and they're top of the ladder, and they also don't have to pick Dave Dennis next week. And that's very harsh on Dave. I'll be the first to admit that. He's a very valuable player. He's obviously a captain. He's a captain for a reason um, and does a lot of good work for the Tars. But I guess it just points to the fact that this depth of the Waratahs, and this is the one area, I hear what you're saying about the strength of that Brumby team on, on paper, but the depth of these two teams is something different where the, the Waratahs still have Wallabies, Paddy Ryan, Will Skelton and Stephen Hoyles on the bench, um, mm. whereas uh, the Brumbies are struggling. I mean, with all due respect, the likes of Dowsett and Lionel Cronje and, and, and the like, they, um, they're they really trying to scramble to get their team together. And they struggled. They struggled at the, to this obvious one that their scrum was, was yeah. pretty decent, but the, the, the line-outs were a shambles, really. I mean, it, I felt sorry. For them in that department, it was obviously a big struggle getting a guy to, to be thrown in who's only been doing it for a few, handful of days, um, and they struggled there. Yeah. Um, Will, your reading on the game, mate? Yeah, I, I sort of um, agree that it was it was seemed very close in the first half. Like you, I guess, being out of the out of the game, and um, as a Waratahs fan, you really didn't feel sort of completely comfortable at half time. We're only out by um, nine points, and one of those tries was uh, from an intercept. So. The um, yeah, it wasn't, and and really we didn't put the Brumbies away until the last twenty minutes, and and it was probably that sort of bench uh, difference that made sort of made the uh, 
sort of a big gap appear at the end of the game because um, I think we scored three three converted tries in the last sort of or three tries in the last sort of fifteen minutes or so, and um, and it turned into a bit of a flogging. But um, yeah, I think the Brumbies were sort of in it for probably fifty odd minutes or so, and uh, yeah, I, I was certainly fairly nervous that um, <laughs> it could all go wrong, but thankfully it didn't. But yeah, was really gutted to see. Dave Dennis sort of being sort of carried off before half time because uh, you could tell he was he was completely gone and knowing his history with knee reconstructions, um, it didn't appear very promising. So um, very disappointed to for him and and to to lose him for the last few games. But um, I guess at this on the, at the by the same token, we've had an amazing run with uh, injuries this year. Like we've I think we've got uh, Peter Beetham's been out for most of the season and uh, Matt Carraro's gone, but Really, we've sort of kept our, particularly our sort of, all our stars have remained healthy until now. So, touch wood. Um, yeah, but uh, good game, really, and uh, very physical, I thought. Um, the Brumbies were quite happy with their performance, which probably sort of suggests that it, it was a close game for a lot of it. Um, so, it's not a bad replacement for Dennis from a captaincy perspective when you could just hand it over to Wallaby captain. Absolutely. And, uh, Michael Hooper's just been unbelievable this year. He's played every single minute for the for the uh, Waratahs and, and the Wallabies, and um, just keeps going. And was sort of made a break uh, near the end of the game that sort of led to Cliffy Palu's try at the death. So uh, another excellent performance from Hooper. Yeah, all those guys screwed up again. A little bit that you're right, Hooper. That that the strength of that running there the um, was really important. Bernard Foley again doing well, a low for a low for scoring a couple of tries out wide. Uh, I know all the press reports are talking how committed he is to, to going out in style before he heads off to France as well, and, and then obviously Adam Ashley Cooper in there at centre. So uh, another very strong performance there by the Waratahs. And what was, uh, Dave, you didn't get to the game. Will, did you get to the game or you just watched it on TV? No, I was out there, yeah. yeah. So what was the atmosphere like? Was the, what was the Waratahs support like? Um, there was a pretty good crowd there. Like it was, I think it was, they said it was about twenty nine thousand, which sadly is the best crowd of the season for the Waratahs. Yeah, right. um, so hopefully that keeps improving. We've got a, a Sunday game this week, and hopefully, uh, hopefully it keeps building on sort of that. Like the crowds have ste- steadily increased over the year, but uh, it's slow progress, I guess, drawing back in the the fans who who stopped going at some point a couple of years ago. But um, yeah, yeah, the as for the atmosphere probably not amazing it's uh it's hard to sort of get anz stadium going it's just such a big place but um and i guess waratahs fans aren't the most vocal ever but uh oh it was, it was pretty good out there and um a few good tries so certainly certainly an entertaining evening of rugby so well back to the spiritual home uh this week which will be good for them and as you say an afternoon game which we'll talk about in a second all right well let's move on to the next game the next aussie game was the force versus the blues and this was this is bizarre, this game, in that the Force had everything to play for, uh, regardless of the Brumbies' result. But on top of the Brumbies' result, this was their chance to jump into the top six there um, and really, you know, lay down lay down a demand for that finals position. Um, and they they didn't. They were blown out of the water by the Blues, uh, who were up 26-0 at halftime and, and ended up running away with it 40 points to 14 scoring, what was that, six tries to a couple of to, to the force uh, later on in the game. But um, uh, how this? How do you read this performance? Have the force dropped their bundle or they, the Blues are now back on the charge, guys? What do you reckon? The Blues well, certainly... Like, sorry. Yeah, sorry, well, you go, mate. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, the Blues certainly, like, when they, when they play well, they're just unbelievable and they've got such a threatening um, back line. But, uh, yeah, the, you really feel like the force dropped their bundle in the giving away four tries in the first sort of 18 minutes i think it was it was was quite amazing really for a team that's had really incredible defense all season and and defended for much of games just to just to fall apart for sort of such a for that period of time um i guess after that it was it was even i guess uh, from 26 nil yeah. to 40 yeah. to 14 but um and uh, michael foley always a man for statistics he'll he'll be talking about they won the second <laughs> half so <laughs> plenty of positives yeah, I mean, what 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 surprised me about this was, as Will said, was that the defensively they that the force fell down because that's obviously been a huge part of why they've been so good this year is is, is a, a solid defensive game, um, and you know really built 
they've built a lot of their style around um, aggressive defence. And so it was surprising to see that fall down so much, but also just, you know, handing opportunities to the Blues, kicking so much ball going to the Blues back three. Right. And, and, and as, as Will said, if there's a team where you just look at them and for the life of you can't work out why they don't perform better consistently, it's the Blues. No, absolutely, um, yeah. Besides the task, but, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, when they click, they're, they're almost unplayable. And, um, you know, that first 20 or 25 minutes was just, uh, it was blitzkrieg. <laughs> it was... So yeah. it was a bit bit puzzling that the, that the force did so poorly and also sort of fell into the trap of giving it, giving the opportunities to the Blues they did. Yeah, and they are the team. You couldn't assume they would have taken the Blues lightly because you only have to look at that Blues team to realise what a, uh, what a strong team they are regardless of how recent performances have gone and... And maybe it was the spur of winning the World Club uh, Tens Championships that <laughs> motivated them all to, to bigger and better things. But um, uh, a real shame for the force, and uh, we'll see how they bounce back. Hopefully not this week. But uh, as to the only other game this week we haven't talked about was the Hurricanes-Crusaders, with the Canes getting up over the, over the Crusaders by 16 point to 9. And that's, that's week 17, and uh, there's only two more weeks to go until the... Uh, the finals are upon us, and it's getting pretty clear that uh, uh, it's it's the battles up there for the New Zealand team. Some interesting machinations. We've got some, obviously the Sharks had the bye last week, so that enabled the Waratahs to jump to the top there. And this week we've got the Brumbies have the top, uh, have a, have the bye, which is probably uh, all right timing for them from an injury perspective, but from a real competition perspective, they now have got a real chance of, of dropping out of the uh, the top six there, which will be a massive concern for them considering how they started this season. Um, let's look ahead at round 18, guys, and, and what's upon us, and quickly um, delving over the, uh, the inconsequential games, meaning the ones that don't involve Australian teams. And the first game will be the Chiefs-Hurricanes. And as I alluded to in the uh, earlier, those, that New Zealand conference is just ridiculously tight. Uh, so any game in, involving these uh, New Zealand teams will mean something. The Chiefs are currently on ninth and the Hurricanes on fifth. So that's got implications for the Brumbies um, and indeed the Force in terms of their likelihood to stay there or thereabouts. Uh, the next game is the Lions and the Rebels. Now, uh, what is this, 13 versus 14? So in the grand scheme of things, it obviously doesn't mean much. But guys, what a, what a challenge for the, the Rebels to come off a game like the, they just did versus the Reds. And like we say, it wasn't so much as much the Reds' performance as how poor the Rebels were. And they're about to start their, their two-match tour of the South Africa there. They can't be in a good state of mind, can they, Dave? Right? No, and, and, and it doesn't uh, strike me as being a great place to go to try and get your head right. Is um, up at altitude with Boshoff kicking goals from anywhere inside 60 metres. Um, so, yeah, it could be, a, could be a bit of a tough day for them unless they have a big turnaround. Yeah. Uh, potentially a coach killer. There's a lot of unrest about good old Tony McGahn, who did come into the position fairly highly acclaimed, and he's got a, a hell of a background. But the, I can tell you the natives are restless in terms of the, the rebel supporters down there. They're not impressed with some of the decisions being made and in, in terms of team selection, but even game plan and so on. Uh, Will, do you give the rebels any hope on this on this tour? It's hard to know what their their tool will be like from a sort of what sort of mentality they'll take into it. Like they've they've obviously haven't haven't got a lot to play for this season, and finishing the se the last two games of the year um, over in South Africa is kind of a little strange. You don't know whether they they treat it like a bit of an end of season holiday and just relax and have some fun, or whether they they sort of knuckle down and try and sort of push out two really sort of tough games, but. Um, and I guess knowing uh, Tony McGahn, he'll probably be working them really hard and, and, and want blood from them this weekend. But, uh, yeah, I think um, it's probably a, a bit of a tall order to win over there, I think. Um, certainly the Lions are probably their, their better chance. And um, certainly if they play anything like they did against the Reds, they won't be winning that. So, But it's an interesting mindset these guys must be having. I wonder if this is playing any role, is that... The Rebels have obviously been very proactive in their recruitment and they've, they've signed, um, obviously, Mikey Harris and Dom Shipley um, and 
because it seems to be others. Cam Crawford from the Waratahs. Uh, they've announced that Mitch, uh, uh, Luke Mitchell's going, um, and there's others that have cut and so on. It's got to be a really uncertain place for the players, I would have, I would have thought, and I wonder if that's having any uh, impact on their performances on the field. What do they have to play for, whether they've already been cut already, These, you know, the, the coach is already sort of picking his team for next year, or at least bringing guys into the squad that'll do the job. Uh, you know, that, that mental uh, mindset might be a, might be pretty challenging for those guys. Yeah, it yeah, certainly could be, yeah. And, um, yeah, a bit straight, they've taken an, at least three players on tour who won't be there next year, and um, certainly looking at the uh, Rebels-Reds game, it did look like Jason Woodward's already oh. uh, got packed his bags, and uh, yeah. he, he was missing an action out there on the wing, but... Um, yeah, it's it's just hard to know how they'll go. Um, is it a, a farewell for those guys, or will they be looking to to sort of just get on with the job without them, sort of thing? Um, they they really need their their leaders to to lift the the team. Otherwise, they could get a couple of pretty embarrassing uh, losses here. I think. Um, well, Higgins is the man, isn't it? He's slowly just gone further and further missing uh, this latter part of the season. He started the season all guns are blazing, but. Uh, has really um, uh, uh, gone AWOL recently. And was Absolutely. A, was so. a game on the weekend. So he's the one that really needs to step up, particularly against his big physical South Africans, and really sort of stake a, grain, a name for himself. Yeah, and I feel a bit like it sort of see some similarities probably where Rob Simmons was a year or so ago, that um, just things aren't going his way on the field and then he's getting frustrated, giving away silly penalties and mm. just doesn't really seem to have his mind on the job. Like a couple of times against the Reds, you'd see him sort of dive into the ruck and he's clearly off his feet playing the ball and then gets penal- gives away an obvious penalty and then sort of seems to question what's going on. It just just seems like he's not really thinking about what he's doing out in the field. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, look, best luck to the Rebels the last two games and now sort of out of sight, out of mind, I'm sure that a lot of Rebels fans have their season finished uh, on the weekend. Um, now, next game will be the Crusaders Blues, another another massive game. The Crusaders are on third point, the leading uh, third place, the leading New Zealand team on 42 points, and those Blues are not too far behind in reality on 36 points. So that'll be a, a very interesting game. The next game, Aussie game, is uh, Derby, the Force versus the Reds, where we're travelling over there and we'll be playing in Perth on Saturday night. Um, we've obviously lost Fainga and Shipley. The team's not named yet. We're without the likes of Cooper and Genia and uh, F. Satua uh, and Dayton Tua. And so there's there's all sorts of challenges in that in that back line. For the good news is that um, it will seem that Samu Karevi will start, which is great. And Lockie Turner will obviously come straight back into the starting lineup too. So that seven, that starting seven in that back line looks as strong as as you can imagine, you know, obviously factor in the quiet and will, but uh, they looked excellent on the weekend and uh, versus the Rebels and will hopefully be able to perform the same. The depth on the bench comes into question there um, and there's a talk of uh, a couple of young guys coming on the bench um, from club rugby. So we'll see, I guess, when that team is announced. It'll probably be announced tomorrow at some stage. Um, as for the force, who knows? Who knows? They've got it all to play for again once we say they're still in with a shot, particularly with the... The, uh, the Brumbies on the bye, um, this is their chance to get back into the fall there. But uh, and I looked, I looked today. I think the Reds haven't won, have only won one game in Perth since 2009, and that was in that championship year of 2011 when uh, I think Shipley scored a last-minute try. So the, four, the West Australia isn't a happy hunting ground for the Force. At least we've got a coach who who knows how uh, to to win over there. He didn't win often, but he at least won versus the Reds when he was coach. Uh, over there in Richard Graham. So, guys, uh, Dave, what do you think? Uh, who, who, which way are you leaning for this game? Oh, look, I mean, uh, I hesitate to pick on form because last weekend I picked one out of six, but <laughs> I happily I was still better than the average on Superbrew. Um, look, I, it's hard to pick this one on form. You'd say on form, yeah, the Reds. Yep. From last weekend's display, that, that'd that be a no-brainer. But, you know, I think, I think the force of... Are better than that, um, and I think I think they will play better. I think I still I'd still be tipping the Reds to shade them, though. I just I just think um, a, a resurgent performance like they had 
especially with some of their big names stepping up. And I think with guys like Frisbee and Lucas, who are quality players, getting some time and showing, look, we can actually play at this level and play well. Uh, I think I think they'll they'll be a real handful, and I I think I probably just slightly tip them. Yep, I like it. Will, what about yourself, mate? Yeah, again, tough to pick, but I'd probably go with the force at home um, just because they've got everything to play for and uh, you hope they play like their lives depend on it. Um, they've got some, some injury worries, I've heard. Uh, Matt Hodgson's got some sort of yeah. issue, um, although you'd imagine he'll play with, if he's got to be t- taped together. So, yeah. um, But uh, hopefully the Reds, again, play like without the sort of fear um, and throw the ball around a bit like they did against the Rebels and, and have a have a real go because they looked really good and I guess Ant Fienger's injury uh, cre- created the positive that uh, finally uh, Ben Tapawai is in, in at 12, yeah, which I think right. every Reds fans wanted to see all year and couldn't understand why he was playing 13. But uh, and some and some Tars fans too. I, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I've chimed in on that issue. I, I agree too. <laughs> can't work out what he gets played. Anyway, I won't get into it, but he just gets played some strange positions sometimes, and he just to me looks like he should have been at 12 all along. For sure. All right, well, that's the Reds versus Force. Uh, next game on the schedule is Stormers Bulls, uh, which is middling. They're 10th, 11th between them. Uh, Cheetahs Sharks, they're obviously uh, number second ranked team in the Sharks, playing the Cheetahs down the bottom. Uh, and I've got no doubt that the Cheetahs will do what, like every good South African team does in this sort of situation, and roll over completely, and the Sharks will get a bonus point win. Um, and the final game of the round, with the Brumbies having the bar, the bye, is the Waratahs versus the Highlanders. So as you say, it's Sunday afternoon footy uh, back at the SFS. Um, you would hope, let's put the footy aside for a second, you would hope from the success of that, uh, the Wallaby test in the afternoon, that that alone might encourage people to come back and enjoy that environment of afternoon footy, let alone the fact that the Tars are... Uh, riding clear at the top of the table here, Will. Your big chance for a big crowd, you reckon? Absolutely. Like, I, I really hope we get 30,000 people. Um, you've got to think a few people have been to the rugby in the last couple of weeks who will be thinking it's, it's well and truly time to get on the uh, the Waratahs bandwagon <laughs> if they haven't already and uh, started, start turning up. But um, And certainly this, this has to be the match of the round. It's, uh, I think, first versus fourth, and it, probably the two best back lines in the competition and both playing really well. So, um, yes, certainly should be a good game. The Highlanders scored a couple of amazing tries last week against the uh, the uh, Chiefs and, um, yeah, particularly the one that Ben Smith finished that sort of started from about 10 metres out from their own line with a, a Fekatoa break and uh, uh, Buckman, the, uh, well, I think it's New Zealand's uh, Nick Cummins, uh, <laughs> charging down the wing and finished by Ben Smith, who's everywhere. So, but, but how's but, that uh, for a battle, Ben Smith versus Izzy? That's, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, so um, hopefully there'll be some some good rugby, which which you'd expect. Um, I think both teams will like to have a bit of a go, and um, yeah, certainly the Waratahs need their forward pack to dominate this game because uh, I think that's how they'll win. Um, if there's if the Highlanders backs get too much good ball, they they're very very dangerous. So. And yourself, Dave, what's where, where do you think the Tars are going to win this one? Well, as as Will said, 100% agree with him. It's the forwards are going to have to win it. Um, if if the Tars forwards play to the standard they've played in their last four or five matches, I think they'll win it. Um, but the other key thing they're going to have to do better than they probably do it on average, is just the out-of-hand kicking. They need to be putting the ball in the right spot. They can't be they can't be aimless kicks down the middle of the field, which aren't chased. I'm not saying they'll do that, but, uh, you know, that, that, that back line is just a back line. You don't want to be giving them an opportunity to counter-attack from, you know, 35 metres out from their line with three or four guys back there because... Um, 50% of the time, they're going to cut you up, I think. They're, they're, they're that good. So yeah. yep. it has to be the forwards. And I think, I think, I mean, I I, I hate going on with this. Oh, they, they've got the motivation of Dave Dennis being out. But I think that will actually spur them on. I think um, he's a popular leader with the guys. And I think there will be a bit of an added uh, incentive for them. 
but I don't think they need it. I mean, Czech is scary enough. I see him at this cafe near my place <laughs> fairly regularly. And Mate, ask him to come on the podcast. He's terrifying. <laughs> even, when he, even when he's ordering a coffee, he's scared. <laughs> anyway. Um, Oh, I don't think I'll need too much motivation outside what he does. And, and the word is that, I don't know if the team's been announced, but the word is that Hoyles will come in for Dennis. Yep, you guys that has been that, announced. That uh, has. Yep. So yep. That'll, that, that's a tip to, you know, the, the I guess the, the need to play that more uh, open game or that uh, they'll rely on Hoyles' mobility more than what perhaps Chapman or um, would have provided, you think? I think so, and I think that's, I mean, I... I would have put Hoyles on, so I think that's a good. Um, I think that's a good way to go. Um, the one concern, I guess, with Dennis is is just he's he is a key um, component of calling the lineouts for yeah, the Yeah, was tars. he calling them? Was he? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I and then it's obviously someone else is going to have to stand up. I'm assuming it'll be Kane Douglas, but um, um, you know, uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. But look, I think the the, the forward battle is going to be key, although the back. Battle will probably be what everyone talks about afterwards. Yeah, Hoyles is a, a very good line-out jumper in his own right, yeah. or at least was in his early days as well. So, um, you know, you, you do lose something there, but Hoyles is a, 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 not a mug by any means. He's a smart footballer. He's a good guy to have on the bench. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think he will be calling the line-outs as well. And, um, yeah, I think it, it was interesting earlier in the season, there was sort of a fair bit of conjecture that, that the Tar should actually be starting Potgeter at six mm. and starting Douglas and Skelton in the second row and yeah. uh, and Dennis on the bench. But I, th- I think the fact that Hoyles comes into the starting lineup for for Dennis is probably more of an indication of where where Checker sees sort of the, I guess the balance game of needing a good line out and and also realizing that Potgeter and Skelton he wants to sort of probably play them one at a time just to get sort of maximum physicality out of the eighty minutes and. Uh, Share the madness. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And so, and Chapman comes in on the bench, which uh, good to see him back because he, I think, split his Achilles tendon at yeah. the start of the season, and uh, it's actually how that's his injury was what gave Stephen Hoyles the uh, Super Rugby lifeline, and uh, so uh, good to see how well Stephen Hoyles has done. But then uh, good to see Chapman also getting a chance sort of late in the season, albeit sadly for um, because Dave Dennis got injured, but. Um, It'd be good to see him back because Chapman was certainly a key part of our line-out last year, so I expect he'll play uh, a fair bit in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a, a, experience, a couple of experienced campaigners, which is critical at this time of the season. So that wraps us up for the round, round 18, and what a game to finish on. Undoubtedly the match of the round, and it's it's uh, at a cracking time there at Sunday afternoon, which uh, which will hopefully draw plenty of punters down the park. And if you're a Waratahs fan... Get down there and support your team. They really need your support. And, and if nothing else, start yeah, getting on that bandwagon, ready to host some finals in a couple of weeks' time. Guys, I want to talk quickly some news, just a few dot points and any opinions you have on it. I guess the big news of the week is that the Reds haven't signed James O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> is that the official news or is that the... Uh... Unofficially it is, yeah. Unofficially that's the official news? Yeah, so the, the reports one day is that it, it's all but signed and then the Reds are obviously playing a bit of a dead back to that one um, and maintaining this stance that all will be revealed in due course, uh, which is interesting. And, and look, you know, I'm not necessarily against that. It's frustrating seeing these players leaving and not knowing who's coming. But if you take my argument that the Rebels are suffering from the fact that all these players' comings and goings are happening towards the end of their season, sure, they're out of the competition, Um but you're starting to see that on the field, whereas the Reds are still looking fairly united and uh, two in a row there. So um, that's an interesting one. But there is some other player movement happening. Um, uh, can I just jump in yeah, there on please, Rich? Um, you, you can answer this if you want or yeah. not, if you don't want to. But Carmichael Hunt. First of all, would you like the Reds to sign him? Second of all, are they going to sign him? Yeah. I've got no idea. It's been talked about, and I know it has been talked about internally at the Reds, should I say, tapping my nose, not does it work on a podcast, um, for a while. Uh, look, people are falling over themselves for Carmichael on the forum. I am not necessarily in that boat. I'm not against it. I'm probably just a little bit wary. A lot of people... He was obviously a gun rugby player back yeah. in school days, um, but that's a long time ago. Anyway, he was an excellent leaguey. Um, obviously he hasn't quite been as successful as AFL. Um, but uh, he's only young. He's only 27 or something like that, I think I read the other day. So 
he's still got time with him. He's uh, obviously a professional. I, I don't know how his body's holding up. I don't know what injuries he's had. Uh, I wouldn't be breaking the bank for him, but um, he'll be a valuable addition to the team. I'd, I'd, you know, outside backs I'm not really concerned of. Oh, I am now that we've cut half of our outside backs, I guess. But yeah. um, I'm really keen to see our forwards, our back row solution. I love our, our back rowers, but we obviously need a bit more balance in that back row. Everyone's saying it. We need a big, big all-running forward. A big exactly. bopper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, oh, that's true. Yeah, so we'll see. The, the, the rumours are Hunt and O'Connor are both signed, so that'll all be, uh, I think, the plan might be at the Red Scala Ball, which is in August sometime, so it's still next month sometime is when they'll do all the announcements. They'll have the brand launch, will they? Yeah, the brand launch. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. So um, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I think also this week, Tamati Ellison confirmed his two years um, uh, re-signing with the Rebels, which is interesting because there was talk about him going back to New Zealand. Um, uh, Lockie Mitchell, as I said, will be departing the Rebels. Um, I think it was effectively said, we're not re-signing you, and I think he's decided to retire. Um, and Nigel R. Wong has signed for two years with the Brumbies, uh, which is an interesting signing. He was a, a back rower on the fringes of Queensland rugby for a while, but has effectively been signed by the Brumbies as a outside back. Um, he's uh, was one of the fastest in the red squad over 40 metres, I think even faster than Rocket Davies when he was playing back row. Um, he's a very big lad. Um, so uh, he played for the Brumbies in their World 10s team and impressed over there. He's been playing club footy in Canberra for a little while, so good for him. Good luck. But the other, I guess, big no, uh, news in Brumby land is Laurie Fisher's off, um, and Steve Larkham is, is obviously stepped up to be the, the sole head coach for the, the next couple of years, I think three years there. But big loss with Laurie Fisher, you would have thought. Will, he's been a fantastic part of the Brumby success. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess sad for Australian rugby to lose yeah. probably the best forwards coach in the country at the moment. So hopefully he doesn't go overseas for too long and comes back and has some involvement at the Wallabies or, or elsewhere. But uh, certainly seems like an excellent coach. Um, and yes, I'm hoping next year um, Larkin puts a bit more of his own his own style on the team. Um, you kind of feel like they're playing the sort of the Jake Ball game yeah, they're playing yeah. is... is doesn't really fit with uh, how uh, Larkin played the game. so, And I think they looked better early in the season when they sort of uh, were a bit more direct with McCabe playing really well and um, and just sort of running the ball more, I thought. Uh, it's fair enough to try and sort of play from, from the right end of the field, but uh, I think you need to have a bit of a go sometimes as well, So particularly when you've got so many good backs. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that back line, it's it's nuts. I mean, you've got, you got White, Lilefano, Tamua, Kurandrani, Tamani, Spate and Mog. I yep. mean, it's hard to actually put together a backline in Australia that looks more tailor-made for playing good attacking backline rugby than that. Um, Absolutely. So, I, which is not to say they haven't scored some good tries, but um, they sort of scored on the back of the grind they yeah. do before that, which is good. I mean, it's a good way to win games, don't get me wrong. But uh, I always get the feeling with the Brumbies' backs that um, there's just more we're not quite seeing. Yeah, indeed. Well, let's hope to see it next week. And finally, the Australian Schools Boys Championships are on at the moment down at Sydney at Riverview, which is always a, a great start of the school boys, um, I guess, uh, representative uh, season. Uh, there's some great coverage of it on the blog site through Lee Grant and huge ass. Um, but uh, so if you're not down in Sydney, you can't get out there, make sure you're checking on our front page blog because uh, some quality players going around who will be future Wallabies and potential Olympians, as I said before. Uh, Will and Dave, thanks for your time. We're going to wrap it up. A big one with the interview with Garant tonight, but it's uh, we're, you know it's an important part of the season running into finals time and, and uh, Waratahs are full steam ahead, hey? Absolutely. Well, yep. Good stuff, guys. Thanks for your time and thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll speak to you all next week. Yeah, right there, right there.